All right, if I were to put a big idea um, on what I'm going to share with you today, it, it'd be this. There are times when God will call out your name for a specific task or purpose. And the question is, when he does so, how will you respond? Um, if you've got your bulletins on the back side of that, uh, there's some fill-in-the-blanks there for you, just to grab a pen if you would. Um, we've got pens in the back. If you don't have one, go ahead and feel free to get up and grab one. Um, but we'll have the stuff on the screen here for you as we go. Uh, but So the big idea, and there's times when God calls out your name for a specific task or a purpose, and the question is, how will you respond when he calls your name? Now, it, just being honest, I struggle with names sometimes. Um, there are just moments where I run into people, and my mind just goes blank. Um, now, people are, are typically pretty gracious about that, um, because they know, you know, I've got like 600 people here, and I've been in scouts, I've been in the schools, I've been in the community. And, and so, you know, it's, it, there's times where, though, if you run into me in the public, and I go, hey, man, how you doing? What's up, bro? That means I have no clue what your name is in that moment, okay? Please forgive me. Um, it's just a momentary blank. It'll come back to me. Um, maybe if you start talking about your family and stuff, I'll, I'll remember it. I remember I was at my previous church, and uh, I was there, in, of course, being a pastor. I worked there during the week, and, and uh, there were these two brothers, and I could never get their name. They were middle schoolers. I could never get their names right. I knew them for like six years, and I never got their names right. And uh, their mom and, and was in the church one midweek, and, and they're in there, and I'm walking across the, we had this kind of fellowship hall thing, and, and I'm walking across there, and they're walking towards me, and I'm just, I'm, I don't know their names. And, but they know me, and I know them, and, and so I'm like, hey guys, how you doing? And they're like, good, good. We just kind of walked past. And as they walked past, I heard one of them go, he didn't know I could hear this. He goes, he doesn't know our names. It's like, oh, you're in middle school. You're not supposed to recognize that. But don't we all have times when, when we call out names or our name is called? Um, yesterday was a beautiful day for working outside. So I'm up on the roof. I'm cleaning gutters outside the house. And, and uh, you know, our gutters, the way we do it is I've got Ethan down on the ground and, and I lower a bucket full of leaves and muck to him. And he goes and he dumps it over the fence in the woods. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm up there. I'm lowering it down and we do the front gutters. And, and he thinks we're done. Right? So he, he's got his friend Landon over, and, and they go inside. Well, he doesn't, he forgot that I needed him on the back side of the house. And so I thought he's coming around the back because I said, hey, Ethan, come around to the back of the house. And so I go over the back of the roof, I fill up the first bucket, and I'm standing there, I'm going, where's he at? I'm like, Ethan, 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 Ethan. You ever seen that BBC um, animal thing with a little like groundhog or whatever? It's like, Alan, Alan. Ellen, oh, wait, that's Steve. Steve, Steve, Steve. Students will get it. We showed the video. So just Google BBC animals, all right? They're funny. They're really good. Um, so I'm like up on the roof on the backside of the house. I'm like, Ethan, 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 Ethan. And all of a sudden his window pops up right next to me. He's like, what? I'm like, get outside and help me. What are you doing? Um, you know, having kids, you guys know this, that have kids. You know, how many times do you give the full name? Ethan David Genders, Morgan Rebecca Genders. Uh, I, I coach basketball. I signed on to be an assistant coach this year, and we got fourth grade travel team, and, and we got a couple kids that no matter what we tell them, like, don't stand there and shout their names. Sean, 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 I'm open. Sean, Sean. You know, it just drives us crazy as coaches. It tells the defense, right, where you're at. I remember one time I was a kid, a kid being in high school. And uh, I was about 6'2", at this point, 235 pounds. 
And I'm in a crowd um, with my mom and my, my grandmother. And my grandmother is like this little German lady, like wisp of a you know, person, maybe 100 pounds total. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to get my mom's attention. So I'm like, Mom, Mom, Mom. Like other moms are turning and looking at me, right? But not my mom. Mom, Mom, Mom. So finally I'm like, Barb! And my grandma, wham, smacked me. And I'm like, what? She goes, it is mom or mother. You do not call your mom by her first name. But I, she wasn't. Okay, grandma. It's one thing to have a family member call your name, right? Or a friend or loved one. It's a totally other thing when God calls your name, especially if he calls your name out twice. In the scriptures, there are only seven people, seven, um, seven people that God calls by name twice. And, and I want to walk through those real quick with you and explain why he does that. Um, Genesis 22, 11, uh, we see this. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. You might know the context of that scripture, what Abraham was about to do when God called him. I heard it. He was about to sacrifice his son. God calls out to stay the knife. He says, Abraham, Abraham. Uh, Jacob in Genesis 46.2. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. Uh, you notice how they both respond, here I am? It's a pretty good response when God calls your name, especially if he calls it twice. Just drop everything and say, here I am, right? Um, so what's the context of Jacob at this point? Do you mind know? I wouldn't either if I were sitting in your chair. So um, it's, God was calling Jacob and saying, it's okay to go to Egypt during the famine. Take your family down there. I have a plan for you down there. Uh, we see God call out Moses in Exodus 3, verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Again, really good response when God calls. What's the context there? We know the story, right? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? What's the context? Burning bush, Moses, Moses. Free the people. Go to Egypt. Take the peop- take Israelites out of Egypt and go talk to the Pharaoh. Uh, Samuel in 1 Samuel 3.10. And the Lord came and stood there and calling it the other, as at the other times. Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Kind of the same thing as here I am, but uh, speak for your servant is listening. What's the context there? You might know. What's that? Uh, Samuel was a young boy still at this point. He was working under Eli, and God wanted to call Samuel out to be the first prophet for the nation of Israel. So Samuel had a plan, um, and God says, here's what the full context of that plan is. Uh, jump to the New Testament. We see actually Martha, uh, Luke 10, verses 41 and 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, uh, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Now Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Uh, context there. Say it. There's whispering. So you're just talking to your neighbor, or you're answering the question, I can't hear you. Okay. Jesus and his disciples came over for supper. Martha's running around like crazy. Mary's just kind of sitting there, right? And, and Martha's like, you know, Jesus, would you please tell Mary to come help me? And Jesus is like, Martha, Martha, you know, 
calm down. It's okay. We see Simon, who we know is Peter, Luke 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon, Jesus said, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Uh, this was right before Jesus was going to be arrested and crucified. And, and Simon, and Jesus knew that, that Simon was going to be challenged in his faith. And, and evidently Satan and God had this conversation and Satan had requested permission uh, to, to have Peter and the apostles. And then Jesus you know, says, no, I, I prayed for you that your strength would be healed or that your strength would, be, would not fail. Uh, and then we see Saul, uh, who becomes Paul in Acts chapter 9. It says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And we know this story, and what is that? Conversion. Saul's conversion. We say the word conversion, but I would challenge that sometimes. Talk to me about that later. That's a whole other sermon. Um, okay, real quick. Because <laughs> Saul was already a Jew, right? I mean, he was already worshiping God. He just didn't know the full context of God through Jesus. And so it wasn't a conversion. It wasn't like he was, you know, opposing God and everything. He, he was doing what a good Jew was going to do. And that was opposing this new kind of weird theology cult thing that came up. And Jesus confronts him on the road to Damascus and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And, and Saul gets the bigger picture of what God's doing. So it wasn't really a conversion. It was more of just kind of a tangent uh, from where he was going. So, which actually takes us to right where we need to be. Because there are times where God will redirect our paths in life. We're going in one direction, and we see this with, with all seven of these people, and all of a sudden God calls out our name, and sometimes he has to call us out twice to get our attention. And he says, you're going this way. He said, but I really need you to go this way. And this is what we see in these seven people, and I think we see this in our lives as well. But every one of these individuals was redirected by God in one way or another. Um, Abraham, Jacob, and Moses, they were redirected through specific actions. They were called to either do something or to not do do something. Uh, Martha and Simon, uh, their perspective was changed um, about how they they viewed the world and how God was there and and what was going to happen in the coming days. Um, Samuel and Saul, their future calling uh, was shifted. Their, their entire future was kind of redirected in one direction away from where they thought they were going. Um, so we see this all the time. Uh, God does this. If we listen, if we are willing to respond um, and be obedient, God will do this. And what Bill was alluding to earlier is that, that God is in the midst of doing this for me personally right now. Uh, God, you know, I, I've been on this one path and, and God is, has suddenly started speaking and called out my name a couple times and, and he's, he's suddenly redirecting my path. Uh, many of you know that I was hired in 2007 as pastor of adult ministries. And so my responsibilities were to assist Bill in, in discipling and small groups and teaching and, and all of that. And that's, that's what I was hired to do here. Um, shortly after I was hired, um, we had a student pastor that was hired, that was here when I got here, um, and he left, and it was kind of a weird situation, but um, we suddenly didn't have a student minister. And so I was asked to go ahead and kind of move down and include the high school ministry um, in my responsibilities. Uh, Dan Baker, our children's pastor, was asked to, to move up and include middle school in his ministries. And uh, Nate ended up taking on our college ministry as well. So we kind of took the role of student pastor and divided it up between three different staff members. Um, well, I've been doing this for the last uh, three years now. And uh, in addition to all my responsibilities, adult ministries, also doing the high school ministry on the weekends. 
And it kind of got to that point where Dan and I both kind of came to Bill and we said, it's time to hire. Like, we really need a student pastor. Like, we need to hire this person um, because I don't feel like we can be fully effective in both adult ministries and high school ministry. And I think Dan was feeling the same thing uh, with children's ministry and and middle school ministry. Um, They were both getting, you know, I don't know, 75% effectiveness because we couldn't pour fully into one or the other. And so we, we kind of, you know, pleaded, please hire somebody for student ministry. And uh, Bill backed the question up and he said, you know, uh, we got actually got to ask another question first. He goes, um, is a student pastor the next right hire for the church? And as a leader, I understand, okay, good question. That's actually a very good question. We should ask that question rather than just assuming Well, the second question was, do we have the money to hire a student pastor or any other pastor? Well, the answer to the second question was no, so it didn't really matter what the first question was, right? (laughs) So I'm like, okay. So I I was faced with a decision because I knew what needed to happen. We needed somebody full-time in student ministry. We needed somebody full-time in adult ministries. And so the question is, do I stay in adult ministries and do I hand off the high school ministry or do I go deeper into student ministry and hand off adult ministries? And this was the first time that I heard God kind of speak my name, call out my name. He said, hey, Chris, i got a plan for you. So I did what every obedient Christian does. I ran away like Jonah. <laughs> kind of went, la, 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 I can't hear you. It's like my little girl Morgan when I'm talking to her and maybe you know disciplining her because that's what loving parents do. And she'll sit there and go like, like, really, Morgan? Real mature six-year-old. Come on. Just kidding. Uh, but after I kind of got over that little immaturity and disobedience and going, nah, it's not really, you know, I don't want to listen, God, um, I decided to take some time and really just pray about this and, and do some studying and, and personal reflection. And so I scheduled a day. Um, I went over to a retreat ministry in the Indianapolis area, and, and I just spent a day praying and, and journaling and reading and things and and, and if I can just be completely honest, I, I was wrestling with this whole thing because I assumed that my next step, um, and, and I say this with all humility, um, I assumed my next step in my career was a lead pastor role, uh, that it wasn't uh, student ministries. Um, you know, over the last four years, I've turned down several job offers, several requests for interviews, and I've just said, no, you know, there's something about it. And, and I knew right before this day that I went away, um, I got a call from my, my buddy Steve, who's a very close friend. Uh, we were on staff together at a church up in Chicagoland. He was a worship pastor. Um, I was executive pastor. And uh, we had plans. I was going to move into that lead pastor role. He was going to be the worship pastor. Uh, well, he has since left that church that we were working at and was now working at another church. And they needed a lead pastor. And he called me up. And he's like, what do you think? Is the timing right? And I really wrestled with that. <laughs> really wrestled with it. I, I love Great Oaks. I love Germantown Hills. I love Peoria. But this would have taken me back up to Chicago. And I think you all understand what I'm about to say. It took me back up to Chicago, where our family is from, uh, where we still have a lot of friends and, and relatives. It would have been working with my best friend as my worship pastor, um, and I would have been the lead pastor. And after considerable time in prayer and wrestling with God, I turned it down. And that was hard. I'm just being honest. That was hard. And that was just days before I went away on this this retreat moment. 
so as I'm driving to Indianapolis, I'm thinking through and, and I'm spending this day in, in prayer. And I read this book. It's called In the Meantime. <clears throat> excuse me. In the Meantime, The Art of Proactive Waiting. Love the title of that. Um, it was recommended to me by another pastor here in the area. And uh, basically the idea is that the premise of the book is you know that God has something big for you in the future. You know that God has a calling in your life, but you're anxious to get there. And so what do you do in the meantime? And he talks about proactive waiting. And he talked about three different ways that, that people respond when they know that, that there's something there in the future. And, and, and I'm reading one of them, and I'm like, man, this is me. Like I'm, I'm reading myself on the pages of this book. And it was all about how you manhandle your future. You try to, you don't wait on God. You try to create it yourself. You push forward. You do everything you need to do to get to where you think you're supposed to be. And he really challenged that. And he said, you know, just be obedient with what, what God has put in front of you today. Serve faithfully today where he's, where you're at and he'll take care of your future. Uh, this, this guy that wrote the book was a big Star Wars fan and, uh, quoted Star Wars throughout the whole movie. And there was one uh, statement in there of Yoda uh, when he was talking to Obi-Wan Kenobi about um, Luke Skywalker. And he says, this one always in the future he is, never in today. That's my best Yoda voice, sorry. All my other accents sound like um, the, uh, the crocodile hunter. So, <clears throat> But I read that, and I was like, man, God just kind of slapped me upside the head. He goes, Chris, you're so focused on the future. He goes, you're forgetting about what I'm putting in front of you today. He says, you're not paying attention. Um, Bill reminded me this week of Proverbs 19.21. says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. That was the second time I heard God speak my name. It was on that retreat. And I said, Chris, I got a plan for you. I need you to do this. And so I sent this text message to Bill. I think I've got the, the copy up here. Been a productive day. This, by the way, I should email more than text because this is like a book. Um, uh, been a productive day. If you want me to lean into student ministry, I've got a plan of attack that incorporates parents and student leaders, increases level of relationship with students, and targets all levels of students. I've also identified leaders to take over most of what I do in adult ministries. If you want me to lean into adults, then I've also got a plan of attack to take that deeper, but we'll need to identify someone to lead high school. Your call. I'll serve wherever the church needs me most. And that was a really hard point to get to. Just taking everything into consideration that I've already talked about. And so I come back from that retreat, and, and I said, Bill, did you get my book? He's like, yeah. It's like broken into four different text messages on his phone. He had to piece it together like a puzzle. And uh, I said, what do you want me to do? I said, I'm willing to, to serve wherever. And he goes, I want you to go into student ministry. Okay. So my title now is student minister. All right. Just so Bill's clarified on that, since he's my boss, um, I figure he should probably know. So I am now transitioning into full-time student minister for the church. Effective January 1, I will be responsible for middle school and college, um, as well as the high school ministry. Um, there's been some interesting reactions. We've, we've, parents and students know this transition. Maybe the rest of the church doesn't. Um, but there's been some people that have had some interesting reactions. And they're, you know, is, is Chris being demoted? As if student ministry is less important than, than adults. Really? I thought we were kind of all in the same playing field here. Um, you know, is being forced to do this? Well, I, I think my text message probably clarifies that question. I put it out there. 
I said, I'll go. I could have put my foot down and said, Bill, I don't care what happens to the high school kids and the student ministry. I'm, I'm staying here. I'm in, I'm in adult ministries. Um, questions of, you know, well, what's your background with students? Like, really? Students? Let me walk through a little bit. I graduated in 96 uh, from college with a business degree. Um, my wife and I had the chance to go up to Chicago. We owned a Dairy Queen. And so all of our employees were high school students and college students, all right? And so I'm, I'm like 22 years old supervising all these college students, you know, running this business, our high school and college students. And during that time, we started to attend this little church called Fox Valley Christian Church. There were about 250 people on, in the church at that point. And, and we came from a campus ministry background, and so we, we just went to the senior pastor and we said, where do you want us to serve? We're here. This is our church home. What do you want us to do? He's like, Chris, nobody does that. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, we have to like recruit hard to get people to serve. And I go, well, isn't that what Christians do is we serve in the church and the community? And he's like, well, yeah. I'm like, well, we're here. What do you want us to do? He goes, well, you're young, so go hang out with the high schoolers. Okay, all right. So we started volunteering in the, in the high school ministry, in the student ministry. It was middle school and high school combined at that point. Um, I, Went from the Dairy Queen to working in the local high school, actually my wife's alma mater. Um, I was a substitute teacher for about four months full-time as I was trying to figure out what to do as a, a full-time job. And then I, I got an opportunity to teach for two years in the special ed department. Uh, we were in their self-contained classroom. I was a teacher's assistant in there, glorified bouncer, <clears throat> essentially. Um, just to make sure the kids don't kill each other and kill other teachers. And I did have to pull one student off of a PE teacher one time. Um, great stories from those two years. But we were their last step before they got kicked out to an alternative uh, school where they could no longer be in the public high school. And so we had stu- high school students with behavior disorders, learning disabilities, emotional disorders, um, ADD, ADHD. Um, we had drug addicts, alcoholics. Um, I mean, just incredible um, opportunity to just come alongside and minister to these students. And um, so I worked there for two years. Um, during that time, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with my life, right? And so I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm in the high school, and I'm really enjoying it. I really love working in the high school. And so I started pursuing a master's degree in secondary education. Um, I thought, okay, I'm going to become a high school teacher. Eventually wanted to teach math, but I'll get the business cert and then go into math in the future. Well, it was right around that time that the church called and uh, they said, you know, you've been kind of right-hand man to our student pastor. Um, we got some unfortunate news. He and his wife are moving to Indiana. Um, they're going to work at a church there. We're going to hire somebody. It's going to take about six to nine months to hire that person. Um, would you step into the student minister role for the church part-time? And then when we hire that person, uh, you'll step down. And so, yeah, absolutely, I loved it. So I was working at the high school during the day and working for the church part-time in the afternoon and, and weekends, and, and I just really enjoyed that. Well, we hired a new guy nine months later, and I, and I stepped down. And that just ripped my heart out. Honestly, not so much because I wanted passionately to work with high school students, but because I realized that my calling was to work for the church, that, that my calling was to be a minister in a local church. But I didn't have the education I didn't have a background other than volunteering in the church and this nine-month kind of part-time gig. I'm like, what church is going to take a risk on me? Uh, well, a few months later, that same church called. And they said, Chris, you know that we're looking for a children's pastor. Yeah? What's that got to do with me? Like, I don't have kids. I don't like kids. Um, <clears throat> I like kids now that I have them. But I didn't know what to do with kids then. They said, well, we can't find that person. 
Um, so we want to move on to our next staff hire, which is somebody to oversee kind of organizational development, ministry development. Um, we think with your business background, your character, your ethics, we, we think you're the guy for the job. Would you consider coming on staff full-time? Well, I don't have a degree. That's okay. We'll help you get a degree. And so I went on and got a master's from Lincoln Christian Seminary and joined the church. When I moved up there, you know, when I came down here, I was executive pastor, I was teaching pastor, but I was still a volunteer in the student ministry. In fact, as I looked back, that day as I was driving to Indianapolis, I was thinking back through all of this stuff and the history, and, and I realized that in the 15 years since I've graduated college, in 96 to 2011, um, I've volunteered or been the student pastor in churches for 12 of those 15 years. With the exception of, of the guy that we hired for three years um, up there, and I stepped out completely while I was executive pastor, 12 out of 15 years I've worked with high school students and middle school students. And so for this transition, you know, it was one of those dumb moments as I'm driving to Indianapolis and God's like, hey, Chris, I want you to do student ministry. Why me? What, what do I know? <laughs> well, geez, man, you've been doing it for 12 years, you know, volunteer, matter of fact. So I, I think you're qualified, Chris. And so... Okay, God, you called my name twice, now I'm going to respond. And so I'm in the process now of handing off all of my responsibilities in adult ministries to some of the staff has taken on some of those responsibilities. Um, many volunteers are taking on some of those responsibilities, stepping up into to, uh, really incredible leadership roles in the church. And uh, to be honest, isn't that what we're supposed to do anyway? I mean, I don't have the text up here on the screen, but Ephesians 4 says the role of the pastors and teachers is to equip people for works of service. It's to raise you up to be the ministers in the church and the community. And then we step out of the way. We raise you up, train you, and release you. And so really, all, we're, all I'm doing right now is what the Bible calls me to do as a pastor, is to raise up people. And, and we'll be doing the same thing in student ministry. Um, we, we've got incredible uh, volunteers already in the student ministry. In fact, if you're a volunteer in the student ministry, um, would you kind of maybe stand? Um, we've got to spread out between two services. So um, if you volunteer in our middle school ministry or in a high school ministry, would you please stand? Anybody in here? All right, we've got one back there in the back. Somebody raise their hand. No. Pointing at somebody else. They do. Um, student ministry people, we sleep in. So Bill, get used to that. We, we show up at second service. We show up late for everything. Um, anyway, that was not in the notes. <laughs> Do I think I'm going to be in student ministry forever? No. I don't think so. I don't think that's my calling in life, in ministry. Um, it may be for a few months. It may be for a few years. I don't really know. But it's what God is calling me to do right now. And so I'm learning how to be obedient with what he has put in front of me today and not worrying about tomorrow. He may redirect my path again. I don't know. But I'm going to listen. I'm going to hopefully respond a little sooner next time without as much wrestling. So what is the future of student ministry? This is a total commercial for student ministry uh, right now. What does the future of student ministry look like here at Great Oaks? Uh, we've got a few things that I, I've thought about. Uh, number one, we're going we're gonna to pursue a deeper collaboration with Youth for Christ, Young Life, and other area churches. Uh, we've got an incredible Youth for Christ program here in the Metamore area, Young Life in Washington. Uh, we draw families from both of those communities and other communities around, and uh, we don't want to compete with those. We want to partner with them. We want to collaborate together. And so we've already seen with Eric Potter and the Metamore YFC um, some deeper levels of collaboration, and that's only going to go deeper in the future. 
um, I, I want to pursue greater levels of connection with parents and coaches and teachers and administrators, uh, people who interact with students more than I would as a student pastor. Um, when I sat down with Roger and Sandy Skank, who head up our middle school ministry uh, with Dan, I said, you know, if you could do something, if you had more time to pursue, to push into middle school ministry, what would you do? And they said, you know, we'd love to connect with parents more. We just, you know, running a business and having a family, and I mean, we're, we're kind of tapped with our time just to run this program on Wednesday nights. Um, we'd really love to connect with parents more. I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to come alongside you and support you in that. Um, we've started a high school coffee house on Sunday mornings. Uh, so between services, um, we have games set up in there, video game systems, music going. We've got parents bringing in food. Um, we've got all sorts of stuff in there. And all of my high school volunteers come to the coffee house, and it's purely to interact with high schoolers. It's purely relational. Um, it's relationship building. There's, there's no discipleship. There's no teaching in there. We have those in other environments. This is just an opportunity for us to get to know them better and, uh, and them to get to know us better. And it's amazing what you can talk about as you play video games with a high schooler. I I was talking to a high school the other day, and and he started just kind of unloading stuff that's going on in his life and his family. And we're just sitting there playing some, you know, snowboarding game. And especially with guys, you kind of don't look eye to eye, right? So he's like, just tell me all this stuff while we're playing video games. And it's been an incredible opportunity to connect with students. Uh, One of the things that we're we're thinking about, so don't quote me on this, don't hold me to this, um, but we're talking about the possibility of a student worship service on Sunday mornings. Uh, that would take what we teach in here, uh, the teaching series that we have, and we put it over there in the youth room and put it in a middle school context, and, and maybe high schoolers involved in that as well. But particularly for middle schoolers, uh, we're talking about that. I, I don't know if that's going to happen and, and, and when that's going to happen, uh, but it's something we're praying about. Uh, I'm going to be developing, a, for all you teachers out there, uh, developing a seven-year scope and sequence. Uh, what is it that students need to know from sixth grade through twelfth grade? What are the key things about God and Scripture and the world and, and to have a biblical worldview? So we're going to be working on that. Uh, and then we're also going to pursue stronger connections with our college students, both locally um, and around on campuses across the country and around the world. Um, we're going to have a few of our college students that are actually studying abroad in the next year. And so we want to stay connected with all of our college students, no matter where they are around the world. Um, so that's kind of a, a real quick glimpse at some of the stuff that we're already talking about, some of the stuff that we're already pursuing uh, with student ministries. And if I can give a little plug, we're always looking for more volunteers. Just saying. <clears throat> but that's my story. I don't think I'm anything special or unique. I don't think God's calling me um, because I'm any better than you guys. I think God's calling, on your, calling your name out too. What's your story going to be? I think that God wants to redirect all of us in one way or another. Uh, Maybe it's through our actions. Maybe it's through our perspectives. uh, Maybe it is our futures. Uh, We may not be the next Abraham or Moses or Paul, but God, we're still his children. And he's still calling on us to do incredible things for him. And he has a plan for us that that is bigger and better than anything we can imagine. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, familiar verse to many of us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And so as I close this morning, I just want to give real quick four um, what I think are fairly straightforward steps to determining God's will for your life. It's, it's a common question we get as pastors. How do I know what God's will is for my life? Uh, you know, it's do I go here or go here? Do I do this or do I that? Do I, do I, you know, whatever the question may be, how do I know what God's will is for my life? I think it's actually fairly simple to determine that. Um, not always simple to follow through on, but simple to determine. Number one, uh, does it line up with God's word? Kind of crazy idea, but God would never call you to do something that contradicts his word. 
right? Um, just go there. It, with what you're, what you're considering, look at Scripture, and, and does Scripture line up with what you're considering doing, what, what you think God is calling you to do? Uh, number two, as you pray, um, is the Holy Spirit giving you peace about it? Is, is, do your prayers just, you know, just your heart's just united with God, and, and the Holy Spirit is just there whispering in your heart and your mind going, yeah, I want you to do this. I want you to go there. I want you to, to say this. Uh, third, um, wise counsel. Get some trusted people in your life, people that are more mature than you, um, probably older than you because they've got more life experience, uh, but people that who, who are biblically-minded, uh, strong Christians, mature believers, and say, hey, this, this is what's going on in my life right now. What do you think about that? Um, I've got a few of those people that every time I ever face a decision like what I've gone through, they get a phone call, and when we sit down and we talk, and, and I just work through everything, and they challenge me on some things, and they reaffirm other things in my life. But who do you have as wise counsel in your life? And then circumstances. Uh, many of us, we don't think about this, but if God wants you to do something, he's going to create circumstances that allow you to do that, right? We call it opening and closing doors, but um, that's really what we're talking about. And so as you're thinking about if God is calling you to do something unique, if God is calling you uh, to do something, you're trying to figure out this is his will. Does it line up with his word? When you pray, does the Holy Spirit give you a peace about it? Uh, when you talk to advisors and those who are, are older and more mature than you, uh, do they affirm your decision? And are the circumstances lining up uh, so that you can do this? If you take those four things and you run a question through that, you'll have a pretty good idea what God's will is for your life. And, and there's people in the church that are doing it. There's people in our church that are adopting orphans um, because they've sensed God calling them to do that. Uh, there's people that are getting involved in prison ministry who've never been in prison ministry before. Uh, we have people who are going to foreign countries uh, to reach out and to impact the lives of, of people in, in, other wor- in other countries. Um, we've got people who are taking on the responsibility of spiritual leadership in their home, something they've never even thought about before. Uh, we've got people that are rising up to lead ministries in our church. Uh, we've got people that are organizing community initiatives and, and solving some of the, the world's major social justice issues here in our, our backyard. See, I don't think my story is unique. I just get the opportunity to stand up here and tell you my story. I think we all have a story that God is calling us to live out. And the question is, are you going to listen? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.